0: All right, how's everybody doing? Man, good to see you. So my name is Caleb and I'm one of the pastors here at Project Church. And I have the opportunity to share with you from God's word today. If you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of Colossians. We're in the middle of a series where we've been going through Colossians verse by verse. Walking through it over these seven weeks. We are in week three. And it's all about how to walk. So the first two weeks we talked about how to walk worthy. And how to walk a consistent life. And now today we get to talk about how to walk out wisdom. Now my six-year-old son, uh, these kids these days, man, they they love the phones, right? The gadgets, the, the iPads. And the other day he was saying, Dad, can I watch your phone? Dad, can I watch your phone? I kept saying, no, you can't watch my phone. He just kept asking me, Dad, can I watch your phone? And finally after I said no multiple times and I was on it doing some things, he said, Dad, Why do you love your phone more than you love me? And I said, son, I know what you're trying to do. I know what you're trying to do, and it ain't going to work on me. Your old man has been around the block a few times. You can't pull one over on me. I knew what he was trying to do. He was just trying to get it, trying to make me feel guilty. So let me tell you, like, wisdom is something that comes from experience, isn't it? It's something that we can... Learn, but we've learned it over time. We learn it through situations and through circumstances. I was thinking about the, the idea and the difference between knowledge and wisdom this week. You see, we have access to information like never before in our world. Within a few clicks, we can have any book that's ever been written in the history of mankind in our fingertips. In just a moment... You can have any kind of information, access to any sort of information in a second, just clicking, just a few clicks and you're there. And yet it feels like our culture has less wisdom and is walking with less wisdom than ever before. So it got me thinking, why with all this information and all this technology and all this access, does it feel like and seem like people are searching for wisdom and they can't find it. People are trying to live out and walk out wisdom and they can't figure out how to do it. And it got me thinking, I found this quote this week. Uh, It says this, knowledge is knowing tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put tomato in your fruit salad. I like this quote. Because y'all know I love fruit. I ain't about to put a tomato in my fruit salad. That just isn't going to happen. It seems like we've lost the reality of wisdom in our lives. You see, we can know something. We can even understand something. But wisdom is when we live something. You see, there's a difference between knowing and understanding and then wisdom. Wisdom is when we live it, when we live it with our lives. And so I want to ask you a question. I want you to be thinking about this question tonight as I share and we read from Colossians chapter 1 and a little bit into verse number 2. I want to ask you this question. Are you living the right something? Are you living for the right something? Because we're all living for something, aren't we? We're all walking out living for something in our life. We have some goal, something we're living for. And I want to ask you, are you living the right Something I want you to think about that question tonight. So let's read Colossians chapter one. I'm gonna start in verse number 24. And I'm gonna read through chapter two, verse number five. It says in this book, this letter written by Paul to the church in Coloss or Colossae, as some people call it. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of, say it. Say it again. Wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in the spirit. Rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. The book of Colossians. I want to talk to you about how to walk out wisdom in this world. You see, walking out wisdom is all about living the right something. And I I asked you that question, what something are you living for? Are you living for the right something? And I believe walking out wisdom is when we live out and walk out the right something in our lives. So let's talk about how to walk out wisdom. Number one, we have to shift the perspective on our struggles. Shift the perspective of the struggles that you have. So Paul actually gives us a verse here in verse 24. He talks about how he rejoices in his sufferings. And it goes on, and this is one of the oddest actually verses in Colossians, and it's one that theologians have debated. Because it almost feels like he's minimizing what Jesus did on the cross. So I want you to look back at if we could throw verse 24 up there again. He says, and in my flesh I am filling up, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the church, his body, the church. So you hear that and you think, wait, is Paul saying that he's like making up for the, the part of Christ's suffering or afflictions that we're lacking? And we read that and it's a little confusing and theologians have debated it and people have read it and, and misunderstood it. But what Paul is saying, he uses two Greek words here and, and these two Greek words, he, he uses are about filling that which is lacking. Antinaplerou and hysterema, these two Greek words. Filling up what's lacking. And what he was speaking about was not what was lacking in Jesus, but what he was saying is the church is lacking in a physical example of suffering beyond Jesus. Because the church thought Jesus suffered and now we aren't going to suffer the church was starting to think well since jesus did it he went through it then our life is going to be all perfect and nice and and joyful and we're never going to have struggles and we're never going to have suffering we're never going to we're never going to have pain but jesus himself told us that we would have trials we would have tribulations we would have struggles in fact jesus said the world hates you but remember They hated me first. And so I want you to hear this because we got to shift our perspective on our struggles. The perspective that we have. What Paul is saying, he says, look, I'm an example of human suffering. If you didn't know, if you've missed the first couple weeks, I talked about how Paul is writing this letter from jail. He's been thrown in prison. Why? Because he was preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That's it. Because he's teaching about Jesus, he's thrown in jail, and he pens this letter from jail. And he says, listen, I rejoice in jail. Because now I'm showing you that you can suffer, and God can still use you. So I love movies. We got any movie buffs in this place? Man, I love movies. My wife told me, I'm going to get you the movie pass. I was like, come on, girl. She knows how much I love movies. So I was thinking about, and all the movies I, I love, they're about... A hero or a protagonist or a main character who has no problems in his life, and then the story ends. Those are all the movies I love. I'm kidding. There's no movies like that. The movies that we love are about the hero, the protagonist, the main character, the individual that gets knocked down, that goes through some pain, that goes through some struggles, but comes out of the other side victorious and stronger because of it. So I want you to hear this, that you will have struggles, and you will have suffering, and you will have pain, and you will go through situations, but you can rejoice in it because it is going to be a part of your story. Nothing is wasted with God. He uses everything that we walk through, every situation, every struggle, every trial, every pain, He uses it to tell a greater story. So I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're walking through. And you may be in the middle of something saying, God take this from me. God why are you making me walk through this? God why have you abandoned me? But what we don't see is that God saying, I'm setting you up. You see this is going to be a part of your story. This test is going to be a part of your testimony. This struggle is going to be a part of what I use to bring glory to me. We got to change our perspective and say, I don't know why you're walking me through this, God, but I trust you in it. I trust you in it because you're going to use it in me. You're going to use it through me. My wife and I, we came from another church before this. And uh, we went on staff at this church and my grandfather was the pastor of the church. And I've told this story before, but after 18 months of being under him in this position, he had a heart attack in the parking lot of our, of our church and died. Out of nowhere, gone. I mean, in a moment. My, one of my mentors, one of my heroes, uh, my leader, my pastor, my, my boss, gone. And it threw things into kind of turmoil. And it got a little ugly in the church for a moment. And we had people saying things to my wife and I that they shouldn't have been saying. They said some horrible things. And finally we had the interim pastor that came in. He told me, he said, listen, Caleb, you guys need to leave. You guys need to go. It's better that you go. And so we left. We moved on. And I remember going through that. I remember talking with God and saying, God, why would you take my grandfather? Why would you let these people around us talk to us the way they did? Why would you let them treat us the way that you did? Why are you allowing all this to happen? But I'm here to tell you that if that hadn't happened, we would not be standing here today. And this morning alone, this is the fourth sermon I preached today. I preached twice here in downtown and once in West Sac and in every service somebody gave their life to Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that God uses every struggle, he uses every situation, he uses every trial because he's setting us up for something greater, I believe. So I don't know what you're in the middle of. You may not see it now, but God is setting you up for something greater. He's setting you up for a greater story. He's setting you up to use you in an even greater way. So we gotta change our perspective, shift our perspective. That's how we walk with wisdom. Number two, how do we walk with wisdom? Walk out wisdom? We steward what we've been given. Now this word of stewardship is a word that we say in the church, but I don't know a lot of people understand what it means. We don't really hear that word much outside of the church, but this is what stewardship means by definition. It's the job of supervising or taking care of something. Pretty simple. You are supervising and taking care of something. Now, I want to read verse 25 because we see where God actually, or Paul writes and says, like, I'm part of God's stewardship. It says this, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. I don't know if you know this, but the God that we serve is the ultimate steward. He is the stewardship master. When it comes to stewardship, he puts the ship In stewardship, all right, that's what God does. And so sometimes I think we think about, man, what what I have, I don't know why I have it. Or we say, I have what I have because of happenstance, because of chance, because that's just how the cookie crumbled, that's just how the cards fell. I have what I have, I have the job I have, I have the background I have, I have the family I have, I have the house I have, I have the car I have, I have the money that I have, it just happened, or I earned it. I did it. But I want to tell you that what God is or what Paul is writing here, he said, God, in his stewardship, gave me this purpose. To tell you about the gospel. I think this is maybe one of the most encouraging verses that I've read in Colossians. Because what it's saying is that God chose you to have what you have. God specifically picked you because he's such a good steward. He looked at you and he said, you right there, you need to have this. I'm going to give you this because I can trust you with this. There's something powerful about that. There's something encouraging about that. To know that the God of stewardship, the master of stewardship, the, the, the one that created stewardship, he chose you to steward what he's given you. Let that soak in for a moment. God chose Paul to steward this gospel, this good news that he was taking to these churches. And he's chosen you to have what you have. He's chosen you to use what you have. John, he's chosen you. He sees you. And he says, I put in in your hand what you have for a reason and for a purpose. Now, the choice is how are we going to steward it? And I hear people saying, I don't know why God hasn't given me more. Let me tell you, be faithful with little and God will give you much. Be faithful with the little thing that you have right now and you'll see an increase. But we got to be faithful right now. We got to steward what we've been given. I wonder how many of us are stewarding to the full capacity of what we've been given. I think a lot of us are falling short. We're not stewarding to our full ability. And I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, when you walk out wisdom, You say, God, I'm going to steward this the best I can. Are you going to be perfect? No. But you have to understand there's a seriousness to what you've been given. That God chose you to have what you have. And I believe that when we're faithful with little, he'll give us much. The other day I took a ride in a Tesla. My first ever ride in a Tesla. It was incredible. I got out of the Tesla. I called my wife and said, babe, I'm getting a Tesla. She said, you better start saving up. I said, I am. In 20 years I'm going to get one. Once the kids are out of the house, right? I'm gonna give me a Tesla. I mean, this thing merged on the road on its own. He didn't even have his hand on the steering wheel. It got on the freeway on its own. It broke when the cars in front of us broke and he hadn't touched nothing. But he was telling me about his Tesla and he said, Listen, Caleb, I got a Tesla a few years back and it was in the beginning when Teslas were getting popular and they're trying to get the Teslas out there and so they had all these incentives. One of the incentives was if you bought a Tesla at this time, you would have free supercharging wherever you went for the rest of your life, the rest of the, the, the life of the car. Free supercharging. Now, if you know what that is, that means you, you can pull into a gas station, plug it in, you stop on the highway. He's told me he went down to L.A. the other day. There's, there's multiple places to stop, to plug in, and the supercharge charges it faster. Now, it costs money. Normally, normally you got to pay with your card, but because he got in, when he got in, he got in early in the game, free supercharging for life on his vehicle. He said, Caleb, it's saving me thousands. I said, bro, I'm sold. Help me out. You want to make a donation to, to Caleb's Tesla fund? I'm starting a GoFundMe page here pretty soon. I'll let you all know about it. The link is going up live soon. I'm kidding. But I was thinking about it today, and I was thinking about it this week. When I, when I was preparing, I started thinking about, man, we serve a God that we can plug into at any time. We don't serve a God of just enough. We serve a God of abundance. We serve a God of supercharges. I'm talking about free supercharges whenever we want. And so I want to tell you today that it's time that we say, God, God, you've given me something, but I can't do it on my own. God's given us something to steward, but you can't steward it on your own. But when you plug into him, when you plug into the supercharged God that we know, he will increase that which you have. Let God help you steward what you've been given. The God of supercharges. Come on, somebody, if you're thankful for a God of supercharges. How do we walk out wisdom? First, we shift our perspective on our struggles. Second, we steward what we've been given. And third, we share what we know. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, I know what you did last summer. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's a throwback, y'all. Like, y'all know that I grew up in the 90s is when you heard that. So I want to read 26 and 27. It says, the mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, th- let this verse, encourage you for a moment. What Paul is saying here to them, he's saying, look, you have received a mystery that has finally now been revealed. The mystery was someone, a Savior was coming, a Messiah was coming, and now he's here, and his name is Jesus. That mystery has now been revealed. It was a mystery that prophets had foretold of. Jesus was the fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies. And finally, the mystery has been revealed. It's been fulfilled. And he's writing to a church in Coloss that was predominantly made up of Jews. Now, I, I don't know if anyone in here is a Jew, but probably most likely we have mostly Gentiles in the room. You see, a Gentile is anyone not a Jew. And in the early church, they thought that this message of Jesus was just for them, the Jews. But then God spoke to Peter. He spoke to Paul. He said, listen... This message is not just for you, it's for all people. It's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles too. And so he's encouraging the church in Colossus, he's saying, listen, you got to share the mystery of the hope of glory of Jesus that you have received with everyone that you come in contact with. He's saying the same thing to us. We have to understand that the gospel is for everyone. Now I know you all are like, yeah, I know that, Caleb, of course. The gospel for everyone. But guess what? We don't always live like that. We get comfortable like I got the gospel and I'm good. It's me and God and the gospel and good, good. I'll leave it at that. You say, Caleb, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to talk about Jesus. I, I'm not the most verbal. Uh, I'm not articulate. I can't share my faith with people. That's really difficult to do. And I get that. But I want you to hear me. Wisdom isn't something you can always teach with words. You see, wisdom is something you learn. And you learn it by experience. So what I want to say to you is some of you out there going, I'm not good at living out my faith. I don't know how to speak, you know, eloquently. I don't know how to share my faith verbally. Here's what I would say to you right now. It's really simple. The best way you can share what you know is to live it out with your actions. That the gospel, the good news of the glory of Jesus in your life, you can live it out with how you love, with how you walk, with the things that you say, with how you encourage people, with the kindness that you have, with the joy that you carry. I see a lot of Christians, they say, man, I love Jesus. I tell them, you got to let your face know. I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. Well, let your face know about that joy that's deep down. I want to be a person that people look and say, "What, what is it? I've watched your life, and it's different. I've watched how you live, and it's different. That we carry that. You are to share, you and I. This isn't just, oh, Caleb, he's a pastor, so, so he shares the gospel. He shares the good news of Jesus. No, we all must share what we know. Proverbs 2.6, Christy, would you come up? It says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So I talked to you about this idea of knowledge, understanding, wisdom. I said at the beginning, I said this phrase. I I said we can know something, know it. We can understand something, understand. But wisdom is when we live something. And so I wanted to share this kind of breakdown of the difference between wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. I want to share this. So this is Vanna White. Vanna got brown and Filipino. You go, girl. All right, so we got knowledge. I'm going to do this to the best of my ability with my wife standing here. Knowledge, we have understanding. Understanding, I'm just going to abbreviate it. And we have wisdom. These three things. I don't think we always understand the breakdown and the difference between these three. And I think it helps us in how to live wisdom if we understand the difference between wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So, knowledge is the facts. You get that, right? It's the facts. The facts. Understanding is the meaning. Wow, that's super messy. You can't read that at all. Wisdom is what we do next does that make sense you can have the facts in knowing you can even understand the meaning i think that says meaning but wisdom is what we do next with what we know and understand knowledge is information right that makes sense knowledge is information understanding is principles principles and wisdom is the application. Are we applying it to our lives? So this passage that I read today, it actually lists all three of these things. It talks about the knowledge of Jesus, the understanding of the good news. But then there's this wisdom aspect. You see, wisdom is when we put it into action. Put it into practice. We apply it. Thanks, babe. You want to bring me that paint too? You're on a roll. Keep going, Vanna. I like that brown Vanna. That was funny. This is Bare Premium Plus paint and primer. A lot of P's, all in one. Durable, long lasting finish with low odor. It's good. Is good. So this is paint. Let me let me illustrate this. Knowledge, knowledge is when you look at this and you say, that there, that's paint and primer. In one. Durable and long lasting. That's knowledge. When you look at this and you go, it's paint. It's paint and primer. Understanding is when you see the paint. And you go, now, I know this. If I put that paint on a wall, it will change the color of the wall. The finish of the wall will change. That's the understanding. This paint is actually black. So if we threw this on on the wall over there, it would completely change the look. This is understanding. Knowledge is knowing that this is paint. Understanding is understanding and, and learning What it does, the principles of what it does, that it's meant to change the color and change the texture and change the look. But you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is when you pop the top. I ain't going to do it. Wisdom is when you pop the top, you pour it in a bucket, you get a roller and a stick, and you get to work. And you roll it on that wall Knowing that the next day your shoulders are going to be sore. That's wisdom. You see, there's a difference between knowing what something is, understanding what something does, and then putting it into practice. That's where the wisdom comes in. Which leads to my fourth point, which is how to walk out wisdom. We got to seek maturity. Everybody say mature. Some of you pride yourselves on the fact that you are mature. Like, not nah, me. I ain't mature. Not nah, me. In fact, verse 28 uh, in the message, I want to use the message version for this verse. It says, to be mature is to be basic, period, Christ, exclamation point. My wife, she has this shirt and it says, don't be basic. And every time she wears it, I say, girl, that ain't scriptural. Take that mess off. That ain't biblical. Get rid of it. I'm about to burn it. And I've said this a few times. I love to give her a hard time. It says, don't be basic. But being mature is to be basic. You see, here's what I think has happened. Maturity is a sign of wisdom. When we walk a mature life, it's it's a sign of wisdom in our lives. And here's what I think has happened. When it comes to this idea of, of basic, being basic and being mature, is that we think as we get more mature, we got to get more complex. As we get more mature in Jesus, we got to get deeper in Jesus and what Jesus means. And I'm here to tell you, there is depth that maybe you haven't established or understood of the scriptures and and the things of God. But when it comes to Jesus and the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, there's nothing more basic. Here's the basicness of Jesus, of his message, of his story, of his gospel. You and I are jacked up and he came to save us. That's the basic of Christianity. That's it, in a nutshell. We try to make it complex. We try to make it feel, oh, it's gotta be deeper. It's gotta have more to it. Not only that, but in today's culture, we think we gotta earn it. I don't know about you, but I don't like receiving gifts from people. Cause I'm skeptical, I'm like, why are you giving this to me? Like, what are you trying to do? Like, what's your motive? There's got to be an ulterior motive in things. Like, you're just going to give me something nice just because you want to? Like, I don't know. I don't trust you. Y'all are like me, right? You, you feel me. Some of you feel me. Some of you don't. You're like, thank you. Yes, awesome. Here's what i was saying. I think why sometimes we have a hard time walking in maturity in understanding the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ is because it feels too basic. Like, I don't have to do anything, and it's just a free gift? You're telling me that even though I sin, and even though I mess up, and even though I make mistakes, and even though I turn my back on God, and even though I sin, that Jesus still forgives me? You're telling me that he came and paid the price that I should have paid? No, 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 i got to earn it got to do something for it but we just sung the song didn't we we just sung about it i couldn't earn it and i don't deserve it but he gave his love for us the maturity of walking in wisdom understands the free gift of the good news of jesus christ that you can't do anything for it you can't earn it you can't accomplish it jesus already accomplished it all that's how we walk in maturity, when we embrace the basicness of Jesus. That we can't do anything for this free gift, but he gives it to us. You see, maturity happens when you apply what you know and understand. You apply it, it becomes application, and that maturity is what wisdom looks, out, looks like walked out. I want to close with this, this last point of how do we walk out wisdom, is we got to start to make Jesus our something. Start to make Jesus your something. I asked you the question at the beginning, I asked you this question, I said, are you living for the right something? Are you living the right something? And some of us in this place, if we had to be honest, we would say, I've been living for a lot of somethings, but Jesus is not one of them. I've been living for all kinds of somethings, but Jesus is not the something in my life. Verse 2 and 3 of chapter 2, last thing I'm going to read, says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? You see, I I brought up this point that it feels like our culture today has less wisdom than ever before. That it feels like the people in this world have less wisdom in their life than ever before. And it seems so contrary with all the access we have to knowledge. But I was reading this passage, and I I recognized and I realized why this world is lacking wisdom. And it laid it out for us real simply. It said, because the hiddenness of the treasure of Jesus is where you find wisdom and knowledge. The reason this world doesn't know wisdom and doesn't have wisdom is because this world doesn't know the wisdom giver. Jesus is the one that will release wisdom in your life. And until you start living and saying, Jesus, you are my something. Jesus, you're the something that I live for. We will never walk out the wisdom that God has called us and meant for us to walk out. You see, it's hidden in him. It's hidden in him and it's hidden in plain sight. Jesus is standing there saying, here, here I am. All you got to do is receive me. All you got to do is follow me. It's a free gift. You don't got to earn it. And that's where we find wisdom. I want to say this to you. Jesus, when Jesus is your something, it changes how you live. It changes what you say. It changes the steps you take. It changes the heart you have. It changes so much. But I want to somebody to hear this today because I believe there's people in this room that have been waiting for God to save them from some situation. There's people in this room that have been waiting for God to set them free from some circumstance. There's somebody in here that's been waiting on God. You're just waiting and I'm here to tell you God did come to save you for something. But he also came to save you for something. He didn't just come to save you from something. He came to save you for something. You see, God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. He's got steps ordered for your life. And too many of us are waiting saying, God, save me. And then we think it's over and God's saying, I came to save you from something, but I came to save you for something. There's something in store for your life that God wants to do. There's something God is laying out for your life that God wants to do. And until we embrace and receive him as our something, we won't walk into the somethings that God wants to lead us to because he's got greater things for you. So today, I want you to ask yourself that question once again. I want you to ask, Am I living for the right something? And is Jesus the something that I've chosen to live for? When you make that choice, everything changes. When you make that choice, everything shifts. When you make that choice, you're no longer just running from things, you're running to things. God doesn't want us running from our past. He wants us running to our future. He doesn't want us running from our failures. He wants us running to the future that he has for our lives. It's time today for somebody in this place to say, Jesus, you will be my something for the first time. Or maybe you need to recommit today that Jesus is your something. It's been a a, a journey And you've ran to some other things. You feel Jesus' role in your life with some other things. And it's time to say, Jesus, you will be my something once again. Would you bow your heads with me?